Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Inside Groove. I'm Tom Baker, and this is episode 140, if you're keeping track. And, man, I am just so pumped to be back in the comfy chair and start doing these shows again. Um, I have had just so much fun over the last month or so being on the road, um, three multi-day events, two for go-karts and one uh, for big cars, and... You know, we'll get to that in due course here, just kind of giving you a brief bullet point description of all of that. Some of it's funny, um, and, you know, it just kind of will give you a clue as to why we haven't had a, a show since um, mid-January. But um, back in, in the saddle uh, this week, still uh, so much going on. We're actually uh, in the process. We just secured a space to have a basically a dedicated set that that we can present as our video studio so to speak um and so we're we're now starting to sort of build that out work on that um the tom baker show which is the the flagship for me um and steering wheel nation that show is uh we needed a Basically, we needed a base for it, so uh, we got that and uh, excited about that. So, but finally, had a chance to sit down and get back to doing grooves, and we're we'll we'll be more consistent going forward here. And those, we eventually see some video playing into that too. So we're we're just kind of going in baby steps here, but I I want to do more video content. So we're, we're working toward that in general. So part of that is with this show, one of the things that I, I thought would be cool this year is to not uh, instead of, but in addition to all of the super modified talk and content and guests and all that, to actually expand the show and talk about some other divisions that either race at Oswego or you know, are, are based up there. And, um, fortunately one fell right into our laps. Um, we, uh, we had the TQs at Auburndale TQ midgets, uh, for three days of racing. And my gosh, those, those guys put on the best show. It drivers in the U S and Canada. I forgot how much I love TQ midget racing. <laughs> it's basically mini supers. um, you know, they, they're low slung and offset now. Um, there's purpose built indoor cars versus outdoor. Just a lot of, man, I hadn't seen a live quarter midget race since the 90s. And uh, it's pretty amazing, honestly. But it was it was so much fun to, to be a part of that. And um, lots of content still coming. I've got a bunch of it i got to start uh, putting out both on the, uh, the, the, the race page, um, but also... Uh, we'll share share it over across to the the steering wheel nation inside groove stuff as well. Um, we're going to start adding some TQ coverage, and that starts this, with this show. Jimmy Smith, who is 
the head of the mighty TQ Midgets group. Um, and Jimmy was the coordinator, or whatever, I guess that's the best way I can say it, the coordinator, the liaison for the racing in Florida, which consisted of drivers from virtually every TQ Midget club in the Northeast. Amazing. The rules for some of them, some are on wings, some don't. Um, you know, other things slightly different. In Florida, everybody put all of their individual preferences aside and came and put on one whale of a show. Imagine that concept. 350 Supers. Calling the 350 Supers. Please, guys, we got an opportunity here. <laughs> Next year, Florida, let's go. Okay? Um, you can do this. Doesn't matter if you're Smack or you're Star or you're a Swiggo. You can do this. We can do this. We can make, we, 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 we basically came up with a set of rules. Well, we didn't. Jimmy Smith did. Jimmy and, and, and everybody came up with a set of rules. And, you know, there were some weight differences between the various factions. And everybody, it, it, it worked beautifully. Everybody was happy. Everybody can't wait to come back. Come on, guys. Let's go. We got an opportunity here. Let's go. Let's seize the moment. Win one for the Gipper. <laughs> we really want to have you down there. Um, so hopefully that could happen. That would be, to me, the more open, will open, competent stuff. We got at Auburndale, the better. Because everything's stock car. You know, and everybody else says that. There's one major division missing in Florida during Speed Weeks every year. The Super Modifieds. Come on. <laughs> I have faith. Okay, enough of that. So, yeah, Jimmy Smith going to be on the show. Um, and I really, again, the, the, these guys are these guys are racers. And um, can't wait for that. And then we want to talk about, uh, obviously, what's going on in super modified racing right now. And unfortunately, um, I never like having to start a show by saying goodbye. But that's... Man, the first um, 45, what, almost 60 days of the year. They say bad things happen in threes. Um, that's the biggest hope that comes out of this, right? We're done for the year. Good, we're done. Um, we lost three friends from the Super Modified fraternity, all former competitors. Um, Ralph Clark, Shannon Groves, and Art Bennett have all passed away since the last time we did a groove show. Ralph Clark was, he began his career, I believe, on the dirt at Fulton. I think he ran a, either a late model or a street stock. I can't remember. But uh, Ralph migrated to a Swigo. He and his brother Roger both raised. Roger had the 55. Ralph had the 65. And Ralph had a great time. Ralph had a great time. He loved it. He lived it. It was his passion. Super, super nice guy. Ralph ran for a few years, then took a break. 20-year break. Came back a couple of years ago with one of his former supers um, and ran it as a 350. 
Now, that put him unwittingly into the history books as part of what is right now a fairly small group of drivers who have competed in Oswego in both of those divisions, the 350s and the, the big blocks. And Ralph has been sick for, had been sick for a while. Um, he was 71 years old. Uh, again, I will remember Ralph as a driver who just loved to race. Drivers like Ralph and Roger are drivers, I say it all the time, they put the color into racing because they're drivers that know that more than likely they are not going to win a feature when they go to the track. But they love it enough to go out there and race and have fun and do the best they can and keep trying to get better. That's what makes racing so much more than other sports, in my view. You know, in football, sure, you've got guys. I mean, I hope that everybody that's playing football loves it. It's a lot of work and a lot of pounding on your body not to, right? You're, you're, but it's kind of, you're either good enough to be on the team or you're not. And if you're not, you're gone. It doesn't work that way in racing, particularly at the short track level, right? If if you can afford to go play in a certain type of race car, you go. And you do it, and there's nobody saying you can. As long as you meet the requirements, you know, whether it's age or whatever, you, you can go do it. And that's the beautiful thing. My best prayers and condolences to the family and friends of Ralph Clark. Shannon Groves was a bit of a shock. Shannon was just 50 years old. I'm, I have not been given any information on, you know, whatever details there are about Shannon's passing. I, it's not my business unless someone wants to share it with me, but, um, it, it came as a huge shock because he was just 50. He was so young. He's six years younger than me. Shannon was, one of those drivers, oh my gosh, so close. You know, you put him in a category with drivers like Tommy Leeson, Lou Bannister, you know, so many others that, man, they were so competitive and they got so close. Shannon got closer than both of those guys, I think. I don't think either one of those two ever had a runner-up finish. Shannon had multiples, and one of them, he led, what, 44 and three-quarters laps before Greg Furlong uh, I think it was Greg that took the lead out of four. Oh, can you imagine? As close as Shannon got, everybody loved Shannon. And, you know, Bannister and Leeson are two other great examples. There's, there's two more drivers. Everybody loved those guys. If any of those three could have ever won a feature, can you imagine... just amazing his career it was like it was almost like he was if you look at it like a, a graph you know the the sort of a i guess they call it a line graph you know you're, you're sort of you look at it and it's and it and he's walking up the hill walking up the hill walking up the hill walking up the hill and then he hits the button and the bionics kicked in you know <laughs> he just launched into the it, you know he he it, it went from you know Consistent top tens to ripping off top fives, then top threes, then he's fighting for wins. Um, man, 
Shannon was Shannon was fun to watch. And what a great guy. I love the car too. The color. That blue and yellow was just and it was so it was simple. There wasn't a lot of graphic design. It was just it was simple, but it was it was very uh, it was a it was a sharp looking car. Shannon's father George raced for a while too. And I did not know um, at least I, I didn't recall that George had actually come back at the age of 71 and ran a race. That's awesome. The Groves, again, it's, this is the color. You know, this is the, the, these drivers are the color that make racing special. Not that all the drivers aren't, but it's the ones that just fight the hardest. They don't have the resources that the big teams do, but you know that they're there just because they love it. And we've had a lot of car owners that have swig over the years just like that. You know, the Herm Graffs and Steve Millers, those guys, you know, Ralph Wissings, man, Steve finally got to victory lane. And, and, and oh, my gosh, I remember watching that race and literally standing in my living room cheering for Dave Grohl. Like, that was because I so badly wanted Steve to have his moment for all the years of hard work that man still puts in because now, you know, he's got the grandkid racing and what a driver he is. Griffin's just awesome. So, um, again, prayers and condolences to the Groves family. That was just hard to hear. And then, wow, Talking about Art Bennett, this will take a minute because there's a bigger picture here. Now, Art was, I believe, 92. I forgot to note his age here in my notes, but I think he was 92, if I remember correctly. Art Bennett, I want you all to think about this. If Art Bennett and Johnny Benson Sr., Dave Paul, and I think Sammy Sessions was early. I think uh, J- Gordon Johncock was early. If those earliest drivers, the very first ones, and Art was one of them, in 60 or 61, whenever it was that they first showed up at the Oswego Speedway with their cut-down jalopies, as they were called, that we now know as Super Modifieds, with the wings on top, and raced against the big coaches and I, what must it have been like to be a fan at that time man if there was ever a time when you really wanted you know advanced video there was it because let me make this clear cuz it's true and i don't think enough people really think about it in this in this in this light If those guys, those first ones from Michigan, if those guys don't come to Oswego, what does Oswego become? Those first guys, in combination with Harry Caruso's vision... changed the course of short track racing history. 
not just Oswego history, but short track racing history. Because if 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 Harry does not make this a super make it a super modified track, what's Oswego now? And you can you can go down other roads off of this. That's the main road. But think about this. Jimmy Champagne. When we talk about Jimmy, what, how, what do we say? What, what do most people say? Jimmy was the best Oswego ever had, right? The winningest super modified, there's the word, winningest super modified driver in Oswego Speedway history. He did it all in a 15-year period, and and he he will likely never be topped for as long as the Swiggo Speedway lives. But again, super modified. Now, see, so the question you ask is: Now, Jimmy started. I think his first car was a was a was a. I think he bought one of Swifties, didn't he? Was a uh, was a coach. It was a was a modified sportsman. It was not a super. He took the body off it, I think, for a bit. <laughs> that car was fugly. Um, but think about that carefully. How, how? What happens if there's no super modifieds? Is Jimmy still Jimmy? Or who becomes? Who are we talking about now? I mean, it's Art Bennett was one of those first, you know, four or five, however many there were. Art won the 1962, I believe it was, track championship. It, man, it, again, Jimmy, when you talk about Jimmy, most people talk about him as the winningest super modified driver in the Swiggo Speedway history. I call him one of the greatest short track racers ever. Why? Because did Jimmy only win in a Swiggo? Gosh, no. And did he only win in supers? Gosh, no. Twice, Jimmy won the champion, the super modified championship and the modified 200 in the same year. And in 74, he did a sweep nobody else will ever do. Likely, he won the championship, the classic, and the modified 200 in 1974. Clean sweep. He won championships on the dirt. Jimmy was a short track legend who happened to do most of his racing in supers at Oswego. Much. Maybe most. I don't know. I don't know what the balance of features he ran actually is, because he ran a lot of dirt in a short period of time. So I don't think he. I don't think he ran nearly the the, the races on dirt that he did on pavement. But I mean, he ran a lot of modified races outside of the Swiggo on pavement. The whole intention for Jimmy with Billy Taylor when he drove that '99 car and lost his life in the modified 200. The, Billy's intention was to 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 have Jimmy race all the big fall shows with the mod. So we have to look at this. Oswego is a short track. <laughs> so these these guys aren't bending among them. 
So when we talk about art, this is like, you know, there are drivers who have records in a division, you know, most classics, most championships, whatever it is, fastest, you know, lap. That in itself is history, but not in the same way that what Art Bennett and his fellow racers back in the early 60s did was history. That is the equivalent of being the first men on the moon. Because it forever altered everything that happened after that. It's just incredible to think in those terms. And I just, man, um, what must have been, what must, what must it have been like to be a fan? Especially to be younger. So you really, you know, like, because that was for me in the 70s. That's why I think I have so much reverence for it is because at five or six, you only, you don't understand. You don't know technology. You don't know, you know, one gear from another. You don't, but you, it's just mesmerizing the sound, the smell that back then, all the different types of cars, where the drivers came from all over the place, basically, the competition, um, the color, it, it just, it's, it was glorious. And I still feel that way. It was glorious. I'm so thankful. My first impression of racing was not on TV. And for, for the folks who were fortunate enough, blessed enough to be able to be at Oswego Speedway when those first supers showed up, I that had to have been crazy. And imagine being guys like Nolan Swift and Jack Murphy and the and the guys that were the top dogs in the modified class. And these things show up. Swift got mad, took the body off his car, and said, okay, I can do this too. And eventually he started winning with a bodyless modified. It it just it's it's mind-boggling to understand just how big those first guys that came in and ran were. And you've got to give Harry Caruso and, and, and the, the group at Oswego that, that makes, made the decision. You got to give them credit. They were visionaries because they saw an opportunity there and they went with it. Holy smoke. So here's the thing. I, I, I mean, I, I'm sure all those guys, I, I should have looked before I, did this segment, but I'm sure all those guys are in the Hall of Fame already. But sadly, the Oswego Speedway Hall of Fame, and I, I don't mean to diminish it, but I'm just making a point here that it's not a physical place. You can't go to the Oswego Speedway Hall of Fame. It's it's just it's just a it's a it's it's it's. I don't even know what to call it. It basically is just an honor, but it but it, it doesn't it isn't put anywhere. So here's what I was thinking about after I heard about art passing away. I got to thinking 
what could be done at the at the speedway and and maybe there is i mean i maybe i've just missed it all these late years uh because i'm not up there much anymore maybe they've done it and i missed it but uh there should be a wall of fame i mean i i sure we'd all love to have a building right with all the old supers being restored that's that's a dream but let's could we start if there isn't already a wall of fame outside hickory motor speedway there is what's called the champions wall and it really is just a large plaque and every year they put the track champion's name in it and and every fan on the way into the through the main gate every fan sees that gosh the names on there you know Glenn Jarrett, or not Glenn Jarrett, uh, Ned Jarrett. I think Ralph Earnhardt's on there, maybe. Um, but I mean, there's just the names that are on there, just unbelievable. Greenville Pickens Speedway used to have their champions on the wall, on the actual track outside wall. They had the red and white stripes, and you had, you had, and then it, and, and well, actually, I think it was just just white, but they had. Um, they had all the champions listed every week. People saw those. I think we need to be more overt about our history at the Oswego Speedway because you've got all these young kids now. They don't know. They should know who Art Bennett was, and they should understand that story. Those guys were pioneers to the highest degree. Absolutely incredible what was what they did. And you just it it it's a real interesting mind boggling conundrum to try to think about how much different Oswego Speedway is today without those guys coming up here, without Harry allowing it. And then Harry making the decision that that's what I want in my track every week. Art Bennett should be remembered in a in in the highest possible way, in my opinion, at the track. That you know the track they, it's always been known as the track that Swift built. Well, kind of, but really. Again, what if those guys had never shown up? I guess Swift, because he was the guy. He was the of the locals. He was the guy, right? So I guess Nolan, probably that still would be accurate. I'm not so sure about the rest of it after that, though. What would have been different? If super modifieds weren't a thing. It's just amazing to think about what you know, who the names would have been that we'd be talking about now and what we'd be doing, what they'd be doing today at Oswego, right? We're going to take a break. And uh, we've got more coming up. We'll, we'll finish things up when we come back with a couple of more topics of conversation. So stick around. Boy, the groove after this. Experience the age-old Irish hospitality at LaGroff's Pub and Grill, Oswego's premier local spot to grab a cold one and cheer on your favorite sports teams. 
stop in for a nice cold beer alongside some exceptional pub fare. Burgers, wings, chicken sandwiches, Philly cheesesteaks, soups, and more. You want it. They've got it. Served up with more than 40 years of awesome customer service. Have a friendly game of darts against players from across the world. That's right. Players from across the world. Where else in Oswego can you go to play darts against somebody from across the world? That's crazy. Watch the games on their eight big screen TVs or just relax at Oswego's Neighborhood Bar and Grill. The Groff's Pub, 187 East 10th Street in Oswego. Check them out on LaGroffs.com. Welcome back to The Groove as we kickstart 2024 for the second time after about a month break here from the first show uh, so I could run around the country and do other shows where uh, other races were back in the saddle here and excited about it. Uh, and first guest of the year, actually, um, from the quarter midget or from the TQ midget, sorry, um, it's Jimmy Smith. As we mentioned in the opening segment, Jimmy heads up the mighty TQ midgets uh, group which is based in the New York area, northeast uh, section of the country. Um, we're going to talk with Jimmy about his background and about his interest in TQs and kind of how that all came about and what he's got going now. And um, as I said, we're going we're gonna to start um, doing more and more TQ coverage as we go on. Jimmy, welcome to the Inside Groove. It is great to have you on the show. It was a pleasure to meet you in Florida and to uh, work with you and all of the drivers in your group. You guys put on an amazing show down there, and it looked like everybody had a lot of fun. We did. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, we had a riot. Uh, we hadn't been down to Florida in about four years since the whole COVID thing hit, and we were just happy to be there and to do our part to help that show grow and make it a staple for us every February because, you know, we're in Buffalo. So, you know, in the wintertime, there ain't much really going on if you're, unless you're into, like, skiing and snowmobiling. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, neither of which – um, skiing, I'm too klutzy to, to yeah. ski, and you know, I uh, you and me both. I'd probably kill myself on a snowmobile, <laughs> so that's why I moved to North Carolina and just said, uh, screw the snow entirely. Um, that's uh, that's kind of what you do when you don't have any activity in it because otherwise it's just a pain in the glass, you know. Oh, no question about it. So, um, how did you get started in racing? What was your earliest involvement? And and talk a little bit about your background and your history because um, TQs are a huge part of that, obviously. And and I'd oh, yeah. like to understand kind of how you got to where you are today. Sure, sure. So I've been pretty much around these cars my entire life. My dad raced them. My dad was a builder, and we raced with the Can-Am Midgets when I was a young kid, for as young as I can remember. And, you know, going to the racetracks every week, whether it was in the Canada side or on the American side for us back then. And when I was about eight years old, I became the program seller for the Can-Am Midgets. Nice. And my first boss in life was Harry Macy, who is <laughs> synonymous yes. in the TQ world. So he was my first boss in life. And 
you know, I've been involved with them pretty much ever since. You know, we got we got out of the midget world in racing in general when I my parents or my you know my father did when I was about fourteen, fifteen, and I didn't get back involved until my brother decided to have a midlife crisis about fifteen years ago and get into the racing world and race a TQ, and we became oh, wow. a one car team. Okay. Um, you know, my brother raced at the back of the pack. And we had fun for a little bit. And then that didn't, that wasn't enough anymore. And so <laughs> I bought a car. Oh. And we, we were racing with the NYPA series at that time, the NYPA series. Okay. And we raced at Holland, Lancaster, Lake Erie Speedway, those three tracks in general. And at that point, you know, I wasn't a racer. I learned pretty much right away, you know, I was too old for that stuff. And so I, I put different drivers in over the the few years that I had a car. And I raced the car indoors a little bit. And then eventually, like, I had Ronnie Flame in my car. He tore my – it's one of the cars that he tore up for me early on. Oh. Uh, in his younger days. You know, and if, as you saw this – you know, down in Florida, he's a hell of a racer now. Sure is. And, uh, you know, but in the young days – and eventually the car ended up being Andy Jankowiak's ride. Okay. And he drove for me for a couple of years, and we won some races. Um, we, we won some with the NIPO series. We won a couple Race of Champions events, and then we st- slapped the wing on it, went up to Canada, and raced with the Can-Am series and got a victory up there too. Awesome. And, you know, because so the way it worked was, though, back in around two th- early 2000s, Can-Am and the American side had a – uh, a good split, so to say. We, you know, there was enough cars on this side and enough cars on that side to where two clubs was warranted. Okay. And NIPA came in and we, you know, they were there for 20 years or so. And when they retired, I had already been running specialty races, per se, you know, some Florida stuff, some Ohio stuff. So it was an easy transition for me to step in and just kind of run everything. Okay. With the help of other people, obviously. So, so now we have a can and an am. Is that what you're yes, telling me? Exactly. I mean, and if, if, but they are still can am because you know that's been their name forever. They've been running forever. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. I feel you like know. if can is is Canadian, it, there needs to be the word beer in front of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, there definitely is, and stronger beer. <laughs> Yeah, we love Canadians on this show. Yeah, I know. And, you know, obviously there was about – there was four teams from Can-Am that was in Florida with us. So, you know, yes. everybody's on good terms. And all the cars are basically the same until you start doing, you know, what tires they run, whether they run a wing or not. Right. And our version is a non-wing. So – and with the American Racer tires on. So it's easy for the other clubs around the Northeast. There's five of them in total that – can you know adjust and run our version of TQ Midget Racing? See, this is what I like though, because what you just said, I feel like, is the way every form or division of racing right. ought to be, right? Because you have, when you go run your own individual events, you have rules. You might have an American racer. Someone else might have Hoosier. You might run. Yes, someone that's might exactly run wings. You don't run wings. Okay, but then there are the times when maybe 
you know, somebody from another club wants to come and run with your club, they just simply do what's needed in order to. Or in the case of Florida, um, there were, what, four or five clubs represented in Florida, all which have different rules when they race yes, their absolutely. own shows. All of the clubs were represented. Everybody there. came together. Yes. Now, tell me how you how did you make that happen? Because obviously it wasn't run what you brung. So how did you how did right. how did the rules package work so everybody could from all these clubs which have different rules, different tires, rings, no wings, whatever, how did how did you make this happen so that they all came together in the spirit of a great opportunity for them? Right. So it you know, like I had said, the the basis of the cars of, of the TQ midget is are all the same. Right. They're all, you know, the wheelbase, you know, the frames, they're all the same. You know, the weights are a little different and the non-wing versus the wing and the tires, who's your versus American racer is where your differences right. come into play. I like to I like to call it we're all brothers, sure. one big family. But every brother does it a little different. Sure. And and that don't mean I like what my brother does, but you know, at the core we're still all the same. You know, we That's don't right. agree you know, I mean, we can. I can go back and forth with guys from other clubs on wing or non-wing all day, and you know, everybody thinks their side is right, and that's fine. Just you know, if I bring up a wing locally to our guys, I'll get crucified. <laughs> you know, because they're I'm in the non-wing area. Okay. But if we go up to Canada, they'll tell you, oh, the wing is safer. The wing is, you know, although. So an example, we were the fast guys at Auburndale for us. We're running. 13.5s, maybe a little 13.4s. Right. If we were, if they were to put the wing on and adjust their cars, they'd be in the 12s. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, because they get through the turns faster with the wing on. Sure. Yeah. And, and you know, that's just with the American racers on it. We can take that a step further. If they, you know, the ATQMRA runs a bigger wing than Can-Am, and they run soft Hoosiers. Oh, wow. So, Add that up. Yeah, they'd be in the <laughs> low twelves, probably. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, but but again, I think the point that 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 got gets made here is there had to be you had to basically create a particular package. In other words, the first thing yes. is we're not running wings. The second thing is we're going to run this tire. The third thing is we're going to do, you know, run this weight or whatever, however you. Right. Now, see, there is a, a little bit of difference between a couple of the, uh, the the series with the engine rules. Okay. Everybody's on the same 750 Suzuki GSXR engine. Gotcha. But some clubs are allowed to cut the heads, you know, to trim the cylinder heads. Okay. Gives it a little bit more horsepower. Okay. So what we did for this race was if you were one of those engines – your weight was 890 pounds. If you're one of our rules, which was a stock engine, your weight was 870. Okay. So we made it a weight difference. So, and, and, and everybody from all these clubs that came to Florida understood that this was a big opportunity and that if you were going to run that show at Auburndale, here were the rules that you had to run for that show did you get any complaints from any of your, your racers about having to, to sort of create this special compromise rules package? No, not really. I mean, the only guys that are, you know, so 
A couple of the clubs that run on the East Coast, the East Coast Indoor and the ATQMRA Series, they have 10-inch tire cars that also run with them. Okay. All of ours are on 13-inch. Gotcha. And the 10-inch cars, unfortunately, you know, we run a high, harder tire compound, American Racer 13-inch tire. Okay. And American Racer does not make a 10-inch tire. Gotcha. Only Hoosier does. Okay. So the 10-inch tire cars were just, unfortunately, unable to race with us because they would be faster than us. They'd be on much sure. faster tires. But, but could they have put the bigger tires on and come and run? You'd have to change the whole car up, you know what oh, I mean? Okay. It's not just there's more to it than okay. just gotcha. putting a different sized rim on their entire. Gotcha. Okay. But it can be done. But so, it is a it's not something that they're willing to do for a one off. I got you. You know so, what I mean? But you know, regardless of them cars, unfortunately can't come. There's still over a hundred eligible cars out there right now, race ready. That's crazy. And, yeah, and we so had between the different series. We had twenty, I think, at it, it, uh, it, uh, at Auburn. Yeah, we had twenty-one cars 21, there in total. Yep. Okay, one car got wrecked early, and so the other backup car came out and finished the weekend. Okay, one gotcha. team brought a spare. Fortunately, you know, or unfortunately for them, they were the one that were in the uh, Thursday night lap one incident. Oh, okay, yes, okay. Now I know right. what you're talking Daniel about. Daniel Hahn. Okay, yeah, yep. Yep. And he's the Can-Am reigning champion. That was one of the cool things about that. We had pretty much every reigning champion there. Wow. So from it was, all the series, Including Andy Jankowiak, who just won at the Atlantic City Gamblers Classic. Yes. Yep, indoors. Right, indoors, yep. And now, a different car. I was going to say. Of his indoors is a 10-inch car. Now, the indoor cars, I mean, back the last that I was really following TQ's um, and, and going to the shows, of course, that was back in the days of Niagara Falls. But, right. um, you know, everything was an upright. And the cars were all the same indoors and outdoors pretty much, weren't they? And now you, you're, you've you got these cars that everybody builds specially for indoors. Yeah, they're a little shorter wheelbase. You're, you're going to see them in the 60 to 62-inch wheelbase and we are a little longer around 66 and i know that's not much but when you're indoor and you're in a touch oh, yeah. tight spot every little bit helps and they're lighter and they they can remove transmission gears from their you know from their engines and do a lot they can put titanium rods in there they gets a little crazy with those guys wow yeah you well, know but you know all but in reality like we we had some engine changes over the weekend at auburndale because the couple blew up. You can change out an engine in a few hours. So they all have a backup engine. If they're spending that much money on a, you know, an indoor specialty engine, they have a backup that's stock. So if they want, they can put, they can adjust their cars gotcha. to be able to come race with us. Gotcha. Now, um, the, the, the normal sort of TQ season for you in particular with mighty TQs, you're running basically New York and Pennsylvania, right? For the most part and Ohio and Ohio. So talk about, so what tracks uh, typically do you guys race at during the regular outdoor season for for you? We have six tracks on our schedule. Okay, We have three in New York which is our, our home track is Lancaster Motorplex, ah. Lancaster Speedway. And we race on the quarter-mile inner there. It's not the it's not our favorite track as far as the track layout. It's just a flat quarter, and it's a, it's a okay. unique track. It's very technical and very hard to pass. But 
you know, it's our home track. And then we are at Holland Speedway a couple times, and then we're at Lake e- or Chapel Hill in New York a couple times a, he- a year, which in contrast to some of the – we go anywhere from a – that's a one-sixth mile banked track. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a small track owned by our racer, Ronnie Flame. That's a boring. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, it's fun. Imagine 20 cars out there. Yikes. Yes. <laughs> it's almost I, indoor. I want to see that. Yeah. Yeah, it's I almost see that indoor. show. <laughs> it's an old kart track that we converted over. Yep. And um, so we have those three tracks, and we race at some big three-ace miles. You know, Holland's a big three-ace. Lake Erie in PA is another three-ace. Big, wide, beautiful facility. And then we go see our buddy Randy Maggio in Ohio, who his family owns two tracks in the Cleveland area, Haynesville Speedway, which is a fifth of a mile, which is really fun for us. Oh, I bet. And then Lorraine Raceway Park on the other side of Cleveland, which is a three-ace, but it's a smaller three-ace, real wide, shorter straightaways, wider turns than Lake Erie or Holland. So we have six tracks, like I said, on the schedule, three three-ace, a quarter mile, a fifth, and a sixth. Okay. Normally don't start in April, but there's a makeup race at Lake Erie. We'll see. It's 50-50 if it goes off at that time of year in this area of the country. But normally we start in early May, okay. and we run through the end of September. That's a good season. That's about... Oh, yeah. we got about 20 races over the course. Yeah. You know, so we're pretty busy. There's some doubleheaders, like we're at Lorraine. Our, our race at Lorraine is a two-day. We're there with the Super Mods, in fact. You know, since you're a Super Mod guy, we're there for the two-day Super Crown Nationals. We're nice. the we're the B headliner, so to speak, of that one. Well, uh, the, yeah, you were the A for sure in, in Auburndale, and, and sometimes <laughs> we being, don't mind being the B. You know, to the B Super is mods, great. Though. Yeah, we don't see them normally in you know, like we race normally with the Tour Mods. That's right. our staple. Yep. We're with the race of champions, or there's tour mod races at Lancaster. Well, it makes and sense to run with when when the supers are there and you're there. Obviously, that's because you're you're pretty much a mini super modified. Oh yeah, yeah. We when the first time we were there, I rolled a. If you remember the red in black and white number forty three ran by Chad Haywood. Yes. I rolled that car over to a super modified, put them side by side, and took a bunch of pictures and. You know, like big brother, little brother. Yep, it's amazing, really. I yeah, mean, when you think no, about really. It. I mean, there's some differences, obviously, because we're not completely mini mini super modifieds. We're kind of a mix of everything. They're part midget, they're part sprint with the down tubes, and we most of them go to the down tubes now. Yeah. And you know, so there's a mix. But with the left side engine that we run and the roadster style. You know, we're mainly a mini super modified with some offshoots of some other style. How they ended up being called a TQ Midget was probably because the we changed over from an upright right. back in the day to the lay down car that we're in today. Yeah, and it's you know, and the name of TQ just transferred over. It's interesting because um, I remember at Niagara Falls, I seem to think that more of them were uprights than the... Yeah, it was a mix back but, then. You know, I was at all the Niagara Falls races. Okay, I was so there was there. half and half? Yeah. And, uh, you know, my dad's car raced there. We were a sidewinder back then. Okay. You know, so it was a mix back then. And you had the ATQ MRA cars that would come up with the two-stroke snowmobile engines on there back then that's, that's right. real loud ring. yeah yeah that's right um you know the joey Paynes of the world would come up and 
Yeah. You know, from you know, which you know from the super modified oh, of course. world, obviously. Yeah, the hurricane. Jersey Jet. Joey Pan. Yeah, oh absolutely. Um, you know, we we hung out and partied with him at indoors last year at oh, Allentown and that it's could always be dangerous. Good to catch up with that guy. Although he's getting older, so I think he's mellowed oh, out a little bit, but he can he, still he got party out of the TQ midget. He ran it one day, and then he didn't race it anymore, and he's like, I'll end up killing one of these kids. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he will. Patience was never Joey's virtue, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But, no, great dude. Every, you know, every time we oh, see yeah, him, it's Joey's always a good great. time. Well, and his, and his, and his son Anthony is a, is a heck right. of a and he's too. And his son Anthony races yeah. indoors. Okay. Yep, and that's uh, I mean he's I I've I've been wanting to see Anthony get into the supers because I think he would be something to watch. Oh right, I thought he did get out there on the three fifty a couple times. He, he may have up in New England. I don't think he's ever right, been to a swing. Right, though. I think I remember seeing something yeah. about that a couple of years ago. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Um, but in in that you know that just kind of segues us we, we can talk about i mean there's been so much over the years i don't think it's been quite as prevalent in the last two three years but there there been you know there was a time back in the in in the niagara falls days where you know you were seeing a bunch of drivers that were coming out of tqs up into supers and and you, right, you know dave right. mcknight and keith dempster and and um and, and Dave McKnight. Uh, yeah, that the, well, yeah, yeah, McKnight, Dempster, and Mark Samet. Um, you know, there were right. a number of those guys that that moved Bobby up. Holmes now. Well, yeah, Holmes is I think the latest one. Right, and right. it's he fun. He jumped in the three fifty there and won his first time out. Didn't he win the classic? He did first time out. Sure did. Yeah, he you know, sure did. I tell, I tell you know, because we're not a, a starter class for a driver. No, you know what I mean. It's really not. And but. When, when people come into this series and race these cars, especially without the wing, you know, the, and these harder tires, you know, you really got to drive the cars. Yeah. It really makes it a driver's series, as you saw. And you saw how clean they were, how respectful they were of each other while still racing hard as, you know what, and, you know, because they know how bad it could be if they go for a ride. Right. And we saw the downside of that, too. Yeah, we did. Uh, with Jimmy you know, Wilkins. Which I'm happy to report that he's doing much better. That's he's great. yelling at me on the phone. He's pissed off. He's got to go to the doctors and this and that. <laughs> so he's back to normal. Well, that's <laughs> great to hear because that, that certainly <laughs> scared us all for sure. But, um, you know, yeah, the, that's the thing with them cars, though, with, you know, with the left side engine and, the, and your super people would know this, too, that you can't overcorrect. Right. Because of the left side weight that's on her, you know, some of them cars are running. 67 68 percent left side weight right and you know if you get up into the into the rumbles up there uh you know outside of the groove where you got no grip and you, you try to correct that you know like a dirt car type of deal the car will just snap yeah, snaps. And, yep. you know underneath and you saw it goes cage first right into the wall yeah we stress it on people coming in like we have three new teams coming in this year and I, I'm going to go out and visit each one of their shops and talk with them about that, how serious it is of not, you know, and these are dirt car drivers on top of that. Right. It's coming in. So I have to give them the, you know, the spiel before they step foot on the track. Well, it's, you know, because yeah, you know, they can, you know, it, it, they're a serious car. They're, you know, w when you got 150 horsepower to a ratio of 190 total weight of the car and driver, you know, that's a lot going on. They're fast, they're quick, they're nimble. You know, they dive in and out of each other. They're, 
they're fantastic racing. That's the key, isn't it, though? The horsepower to weight ratio is off the charts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The amount of torque. And yeah. Just, you know, I mean, their top end speeds are not, you know, super modified level, no doubt. But, you know, for the weight and everything that they're in there, that's why you see a guy like Andy J, you know, his people tell him to get out of these cars, you know, because they're just so crazy at times. And but he just can't help it. He loves it so much. Well, I was gonna say I don't. I don't. I, I'm sure Andy J appreciates their point of view, but uh, Andy does. Andy he J does. loves <laughs> racing. Period. And so you know whatever he can get into that's safe and fast, I think he's gonna do it. But um, and you know well, we got so we got a shout out at um on Fox. Yeah. During his broadcast, I you saw know, that. because they they talked about his win at Auburndale. Yeah, I saw so, that. I you was, know, that, he's helping us in the same way. That was uh, was great late night TV there. Uh, <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> and now he's the meme of the month. Yes, meme of the month. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna push the you battle know, I, down I went on until TikTok I... and I don't go on TikTok ever. But he's got three quarters of a million likes on that. I don't doubt like, it. It's that's because that was that's what TikTok is. It's a six second world over right, there, right? So right, right, and you know to be you know, able to pull that off. Under those circumstances, at yeah. that moment, you know, and that's but that's just the guy he is. But that's then you sort of him, saw you know? the that to me that was sort of the thrill of victory and agony of defeat because he had a <laughs> chance to win. And then, yeah, and then the as one. soon as they next, threw the right green, that, he's got a he another had a car, car on top on of him. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> you know, it's just nuts. But, but uh, that's Daytona, so yeah. I mean, then you you know it's two in the morning, so you get out and go to breakfast at Waffle House. That's kind of you know he uh, he's already planning to attend next year. He's going to do it a little different. There's there's already more cars planning on coming next year. It's going it. to be bigger and better next year. You Love know, it. and uh, I mean I'm looking forward to announcing it. Well, it should be fun. Um, we're excited about it, and and uh, you know we want to see it grow bigger, and and of course. You know, again, getting back to the to the graduates, I mean, the Macrath family kind of came from Supers, but then the kids, you know, Andy and, and you know, Andy uh, that, won the very first Gamblers Classic in yes. Atlantic City. Yeah, he did. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. And he raised Supers a bit. I mean, there were there were a bunch that have done it over right. the years. Yeah, I, I, I forgot to get it, but there's a list out there of former, and the list is just extensive and yep. you know the names are you're like wow, some of them I didn't even realize. Well, and, 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 you know, you have sort of the offshoots. My cousin Brian Course uh, raised TQs a bit. He was, you know, and, of course, him and Dave McKnight were big buddies. And, you know, Brian was on the show uh, just a short while back here and told the story about how, you know, his very first race was indoors at, at Ni- Niagara Falls. Um, I, and I was like, wow, that was a good idea, wasn't it? Right. And uh, so he st- ends up starting on the pole for his heat raise, this rookie. <laughs> <laughs> Next to Dave McKnight, and of course, you know, just uh, is is adamant that that Dave's not going to beat him into the first corner. And I said, "How'd that work out?" He said, "Well, he said um, I ended up sliding sideways off of two and keep, trying to keep it off the wall, but I, I won the battle to the first corner." <laughs> you know, right. it's like I got to That's turn saying one. a lot, though. In yeah. the first time out. I mean, it's just it was it was funny. It's just that rookie naivete. Um, but um, yeah, that just great people, and um, it's it's a division that honestly, um, I don't think gets nearly enough attention for what it is. And um, 
you know, really for what it costs. Talk a little bit about what if 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 I wanted to get in the TQ midget racing competitively, say in your series, um, right? What what does it cost? Because we've discussed this, and I and I couldn't believe what you were telling me. <laughs> so you could literally get a car race ready, pretty much for around ten grand. Wow! And you know, there's basic maintenance that's required of it. You know, you might want to do a little updates on some shocks, some springs, or sure. whatever. There's some gear sets that you need to get yourself set up. But to run on a weekly basis, you you know, you can buy a set of tires, which we run an American Racer compound on our right rear that gets about seven races on it. Wow. And our other three corners get two to three on them. And they're about 140 a tire. And so, you know, and your payout for the week, even if you don't have a great week, is about, you know, 140 bucks. So you buy a tire for the next week. And you can basically, you know, you're buying your pit passes. And of course. Yeah. Your, you know, your gas and stuff. But you can do it on a very minimal. There's guys that show up and race and load up and go home, and they don't spend a dime. You know, they get their purse, they buy a tire, they buy a little gas, and they're on to the next week. Some guys don't even pull their car out of the trailer. Wow. <laughs> you know, they raced it. It ran good. They rolled it into the trailer. They don't do their life till next Saturday. They roll to the track, unload it, prep it right there. You know, they may scale it real quick while they're at the track, and and off he goes. Maybe throw that new tire on if needed. And, you know, they're off to racing again. There, There is not that much maintenance. You know, obviously, if you're wrecked, that changes everything. Well, yeah, but, that would know, be the true. Idea is not to, right? And yeah. that's why everybody runs so clean with us and knows. You know, they want to be able to do that. That's one of our main things that we tell people. We want to load the cars up the same way you unloaded them, you know, with some uh, little pebble marks on the front of your, you know, nose of your car. Plus the and, open wheels, you know, right? crack a beer and watch the rest of the races and watch the main event. Because locally during the summer, we're not a headlining division. Sure. You know, we're we're a secondary class. But, but at most tracks that we show up at, we bring the most amount of cars. We average in the 20s. And, you know, so we're easily number two. Right. And and we're good with that. It is what it is. And we're, we're happy. We try to connect with bigger series and bigger events that are, you know, the ROC 250 coming up, the Race of Champions 250 coming up in April. You know, that's the longest running race besides the Indy 500, I believe. Wow. And that, you know, so we want to be a part of those big shows and anything that's streamed, we want to be a part of. And, you know, and so the, the NIPA group that was there for 20 years, they were happy with just doing what they did running locally, you know, doing their little thing and being happy. Right. Well, I'm not so happy with that. I think there's a spot for us almost nationally. I agree. Whether it's, you know, East Coast, up and down, or I think there's room for us in the Indianapolis market. Oh, of course. Because the expense and, you know, how fun and how fast and just how what you get the bang for your buck is just you know, incredible. Well, that was my... There isn't anything with it that compares. I don't... Obviously, I'm biased. <laughs> well, but that was what I... When you told me before, uh, you know, what the costs were, I was stunned because I always thought that they were way more costly than that. And, and... I mean, you can get higher-end ones. There's one out there for 18.5 listed on the TQ page right now that's a top-end car. 
um, built by Trey Hoddock, who's a big sprint car guy, builder. There's another one that ran supers out of TQs. Right, right. He's been in everything, you know, and that car's got everything of everything, doubles of everything. You would have no need, you know, with scales, with an extra motor, you know what oh. I mean? So you can pay twenty grand for something. Some of them indoor cars started to get a little crazy in the pricing there for a while. We were seeing the forty thousand dollar stuff. Good grief! And that was see, that's more you know, what I thought it was. Realized that because you know what it is, indoor is a one off. Yeah. It's during the winter. So what we were seeing is the big super teams, the big sprint car teams, the big dirt mod teams all coming in and saying, "Oh, I can spend all this money," you know, where us. You know, we don't, we want, we keep it on the cost effective side. Yeah. And so what they realized was the money, did, you couldn't, you, you don't need to spend that money. Yeah. You're running so, around your kitchen table for crying out yes, loud. You know, right. what are you doing? You know, all you that know? is just overkill beyond overkill. Yeah. So nowadays what they do is they cut the heads on the, on the cylinders of the engines. They take the transmission gears out because think of a motorcycle engine. They got one through six in them. Right. So they only leave three and four in it, a low and a high. Right. And that makes everything move freer inside the engine. So on their starts, they just jet. They take right off. And we don't want that with us on the starts and stuff because people get beat with stuff like that. We like, And it's more money. They were putting titanium rods in there. Yeah, that's you know, and it, and it just became overkill. But then everybody started realizing that, you know, that's unnecessary. And now an an, an indoor engine is thirty five hundred bucks. Yeah, see, that's an reasonable. outdoor engine is twenty five hundred bucks. That's reasonable. I mean, that's right. that's affordable. Now, right. here's my question: Is what is it? What do you look at when someone wants to come in and race a TQ midget? Are there some sort of um, requirements or or past uh, accomplishments, past, uh, is there an age limit? What are the sort of the, the, the requirements if I wanted to come in and race a TQ? Um, you know, what what right. are you looking at to approve me or what is the approval process? I guess that's well, what I Well, obviously wanted. we look at, the, the, I think the age limit is 14 for us. Okay. Um. But fortunately for us, we have a track, you know, that one of our drivers owns, and I run myself, Chapel Hill, Chapel Hill Raceway. Yep. So if we get anybody new that comes in, the first thing we do is we bring them there with their car. Gotcha. We, you know, we get them in there, and we let them go rip laps forever. And, you know, break them in that way, and, you know, hopefully they spin it out a couple times, and they learn the do's and don'ts before we let them out on the bigger tracks. Okay. You know, and... You know, but then again, there's other guys that come in. We know they're racing in other stuff. And, you know, they'll get the mandatory checker or uh, caution flags on the back of the cage, letting them know everybody know they're rookies. And they'll start in the back. You know, they have to earn their way up. You know, we're not going to let somebody new start on a pole. Right. (laughs) Okay. You know, so. Yeah. Like Brian did at the. Niagara Falls show. That's right. Right. No, we're not going to do that. We've tried it over the years and it never turns out well. Uh, That's funny. So, you know, we have a handicapping system that we use to set our lineups each time. You know, we don't want with the tight track, especially at Lancaster, um, we have a handicapping system where the fastest guys will not be up front, but either will the slowest. You know what I mean? It's like the the guys that will probably finish in the 5 to 10 range 
okay. will be starting up front. And then you'll see the guys that will finish one to five behind them. And then the slowest guys behind that. Gotcha. Okay. You know, and it, it just seems to work out because we put the fast guys in the back. It's just a mad dash for them get, to get through the field. And it's never, you know, <laughs> as you saw, things can get a little hairy with us. Absolutely. Well, but uh, again, growing up with supers, that, that didn't surprise me. That's what I expected. Um, and I had never seen, and I just in this moment have realized this, um, I had never seen an outdoor TQ Midget Show, except for the the, the, the times that uh, TQs came to Oswego for the classic. But um, right, it right. seemed like in those shows, and I don't remember clearly how many cars were there, but I... We were I, too fast for that. Yeah, I seem to feel like uh, the 3-8 mile track... It's, yeah, but you never, the way that that's designed, where you're using half of the track... Right. You're never off of the gas. That's what I was going to say. It just felt like it was a little now, bit... they ran there... They ran there with uh, wings and a Hoosier on. Right. You know, the fastest version of us. Right. So there might be something there with us, our version. But I know the weekends never coincide because we have the U.S. Open that usually go and goes at the same time as the Classic. Okay, gotcha. Or it's, there's some race in that time. It never really works out. There's been – we talk about it nearly every off season about Oswego. I, in that race in particular. But that's the only – so I had never seen. So when to, – to be able to see them in Auburndale, which is I, – I I think it's a big quarter. Um, yeah, longer straights, way tighter turns. Yes. So it slows them down a lot compared to, like, the three ace. Yes. It's not much smaller than a three ace, but, you know, with the tight turns that they are, it slows us down way more than, say, a Holland or a Lake Erie. We're way fast. Not that we weren't fast there. Right. You know, but. I I feel like if if the if they if there were a clear second groove there, yes, boy oh boy, it would be incredible. Oh, oh, oh like we talked about the yeah. other day, yeah. You know, that's one of the things that we're gonna do yep. to try to get make to, the racing yeah. even better. Yep, because that's you know, uh, if you get that second groove in, groove and see what happens. Yes, because then then you get sort of bravery that comes in, right? Who can run the top yeah. and, and and make oh, it work? And some of them guys, you know, some of our guys, as you saw, that they will try. Oh it. yeah, they all tried it. They yep. saw it didn't work, and it turned into you know setting them up, slingshotting them out, coming out and getting underneath them out of the turn, which was still great to watch. I I oh, love that racing. I love that style. We get that at a lot of our tracks though that i would say only our three ace big tracks of holland and lake erie are the only tracks where you see passing on the outside like that okay you know for the most part it's what you just saw at auburndale get them underneath you know because most of the tracks it's the same thing line caster same thing outside groove you go up there and try to pass you're just sliding yeah yeah. You know, uh, I mean, that's one of the tracks that we might just start prepping it ourselves. There you go. You know, and just, I mean, you know, back in the day, they just used Coke syrup. Yep. You yep. know, so we might try some cheap ways and see what, you know, because the, the prep stuff, that's like 100 bucks a bottle. Yeah. And, you know, we on a week-to-week basis, it starts to add up a little bit for our small little series. But I would think that, um, you know, you would think uh, – Again, that that would be something that that you know somebody might be willing to if it's if it's something that improves the racing. Maybe there's right. a way to mark like get a sponsor that covers that right. cost. But if you can well, do it with Coke we were syrup, that's great. Because you're much better at the marketing end well, of things than me by far. Do our best. So 
I will follow your lead when it comes to that. The big thing is, is I think, you know, again, it's like the TQs don't get nearly enough publicity and attention. I just, I like my, again, I had never seen him except for Oswego those few times. I had right. never seen Honestly, him outdoors. The most recognition Incredible. we get is indoors. indoors. Yeah, but, but I feel like that's also almost... Yes, they're TQs, but it's a completely different presentation. It's almost like it's two different types of racing, even though it's more or less the same cars and drivers. It's so tight and it's so it's 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 um it's just different. You don't see it the is. same amount of passing. I think the racing at Auburndale was way better than what I generally see indoors, just because obviously more space. Right. But um right. and I think now, there it, could be some really good stuff indoors. Of too, course. But there yeah, could also be of some course. really you know, Bad. rough. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just bumper. It's indoors. City. It's yeah. tight. It's yeah. you know, people climbing. It is over what each it other. is. But you know, you're racing in December, January, February. Right. Unless you're in Florida, you know, where else is there racing? Well, that that's exactly right. So what I feel like is the outdoor part of this. Nobody hears about it for months, and all of a sudden there's indoors, and I think that's what most common race fans would associate TQ midgets with is the indoors right. and because you remember of in the it. summertime. You're also up against everything else that's right. out there. But but again, everything's wrong. That's my point. Is I think I think we we need to get the outdoor part of TQ. We need people to see what TQs do all year and not just during the winter. Now, one of the things that helped us with that is the Ohio races because they love us out there. Sure. Yep. Yeah, because when we came out there about four or five years ago, they had never seen us. They're like, right. what the hell are these things? Exactly. You know, and, and, you know, we go to that fifth mile Painesville, and, you know, that's a little bull ring, and that's, that's a fun 11-second laps. Sure. You know, I mean, and that's fun, and that's some great racing there, and they just love us there. I bet. The first time we were at Lorraine, we got a standing ovation from, you know, it was the first Super Crown, or it was the first race that the Supers had been back at Lorraine. Okay. And it was a packed house, and we got a standing ovation at the end of our race. Wow. It was green to checkered. That's one of the fun things about them 3A's, though. Even though they're super fast and somewhat scary, you know, Lorraine and Lake Erie are super wide. We can go yes. six wide into the corner with no problem. I have been to In Lorraine. Fact, they do. <laughs> I love Lake Erie. I haven't been to Lorraine. I hope I get there this year, but I have yeah, not you gotta been come to Lake out Erie. For the Super I hope so. Yeah, we're going to work on seeing if I can. Yeah, we, we definitely have that. to work on that. Um, that can work for towards everything. Yes. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about how you see this going forward. In other words, um, when you think about two years from now, three years from now, five years from now, where would you like to see – uh, mighty TQ Midgets, and where would you like to see TQ Midget racing in general going forward? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know how much farther we're going to actually grow. You know, I think growing locally and making us more sustainable, we're pretty solid locally now. But, you know, we've had a lot, we got a lot of old cats that have been around that race, that have been racing for a long time. You know, so so some turnover would be good. Not turnovers, just, you know, we got new three blood. new teams. You know, some expansion would be good. New Bringing blood. sponsors in would help us a ton. Yeah. It's one of the things that I'm just not good at. I'm, I'm a promoter. That's what I do. I set up these races. You know, I mean, so when I only – I've heard about – I'll tell you the quick story on Showdown Series and how I learned about it. Okay. 
So Randy Maggio, you know, the, his family runs Lorraine and Painesville Speedways, goes down every year for speed weeks and all that. And we've been trying to get back into Florida for years, ever since we ran in 2020 at Showtime and 417. And he went to Showtime that weekend last year for the Outlaw Figure 8 race. Okay. And it rained out. So he was heading to Daytona, and he got wind that there was a race at Auburndale. So on, on his way up Route Interstate 4, he stopped at Auburndale. And the midgets were racing with the legends and all that, and, there, and it was completely empty except for the racers. Randy calls me from the track in the stands and said, you need to hook up with this. He's like, this is what you've been looking for for years. Wow. And, you know, and I'm like, what is it? And he's like, it's called the Showdown Series or something. And, yep. you know, they got some legends going. It, he said, it looks like it's an offshoot of the Citrus deal. And, you know, but it looks like they added midgets kind of late. And there ain't really much here going on. But it looks like, they, you know, they're trying to do something here. Yep. So, and you I know, I inquired immediately. And off we went. Well, and, and, you know, you've seen how I handled my end of things absolutely. as far as promotion yep. and all that. And I'm hands-on with that. I am, you know, I want to see us. I am I love, you know, the local series and all that. Yeah, we've been part of it. But it's different than the specialty shows. My heart is really the, the special, you know, the Florida-type deals. The big event. Yep. two, three-day events. Yep. I love them. I, well, and, and uh, by the just for clarity for our audience, the midgets you were referring to are the USAC Eastern midgets, which basically yeah, they ran first year. A lot of people would know more as the Ford Focus midgets. They just changed right. their name. It's more, the same they were car. equivalent to the NEMA lights. Yes, same car. Um, yeah. And this year, there weren't enough of them that wanted to go down, so right, they had right. run. But and we, I was looking forward to seeing them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's they used to be really popular here in the Carolinas as a feeder series, a developmental series, and then it just fell right off. And, uh, right. you know, I don't really know all the answers as to why that's the case, but um, it's it's just that that whole series. Now the Nemo lights are still really strong in New England. Right. Yeah, that's actually growing um, up there. Yes. Uh, but, it's less expensive than the full ones. But everything in New England is growing, it feels like, which is amazing. I love New England because I feel like racing there – is this is is in many ways the same as it was ten or fifteen years ago, and yet, um, despite the challenges that all racing face faces with tires and part shortages and whatever else, supply chain crap, um, New England manages to stay super right. strong, and I think it's because a lot of the promoters up there are still very old school about how they approach things, and yet they've realized that. Okay, in 2024, there are things we have to do differently to keep the fans coming. They've done it, and right. there they are. But at the end of the day, I feel like um, great racing still wins, and that's why everything in New England seems like it's it's still so popular because the racing is still close and competitive, and there just hasn't been you know, a lot of the um, deviations from the norm. So it's it's great. Uh, I love seeing that. It, but, yeah, outside of New England, the 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 mid Eastern midgets, the, there's a Western midget class out west. Right. The, oh, I call them all on Facebook. Um, I don't think that <laughs> one's as strong as it used to be either. I think it's really now New England's Nima Light is really the sort of uh, biggest 
piece of that right. focus. I'd love to get us car. out into the Indianapolis area. A couple of years ago in 2020, we had a race booked at the Speedrome. Okay. And we were going to run with uh, Must See Racing, 410 okay. Sprints. Well, yeah, we, we, we need to work on that. That would be cool. And, and Yeah, uh, that, you know, that, that's basically the same track as Painesville. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I would love to get that going. But since then, it's kind of fallen off. You know, I have some things I'm working on out in that yep. area, yep. as I mentioned to you. Yep. And we'll see where all that goes. Yeah. Um, I would love to get into that, that be area, very obviously, the – you know, the epicenter of open wheel racing. No doubt. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing that, that, that it's not already there. I mean, it's, it's right. just like, you know, for me, I've always been amazed that super modifieds aren't there, but again, you, some, you've really got to work hard to promote it, build it up and, and get people interested in it. And it's, um, right. you know, the, you know the, Randy's trying in the Ohio area to get, to get it going out there with great. the supers. Yeah. And, you know, this is year three or four of the Super Crown Nationals. Yep. And, you know, every time I'm there, I'm just in awe of those cars. Oh, it's, it's you know, the worst. On yeah. a three-eighths mile, it, they are insane. Oh, of course. <laughs> anywhere, they're insane. Um, right. Yeah, you know, pretty much anywhere, right? Yeah, Super Modifieds are always going to be the most exotic, exciting short track cars right. going. And that's – but, but again, the TQs are a smaller um, – it's almost like a teaser version of, of what it a super modified is. race is, you know. You know, and you know, and you got them. What are them? Them funny looking supers that run at Oswego. Uh, the SPS car. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's almost supers. like us should be them. <laughs> you know, well, as a, uh, as a mini, like you see the mini mods that race on dirt. Yeah, it's just again track size and and, and right, sort of right. you know how do like you make it like a dwarf car you type know. of thing. Yeah. Oh, I think at see now I I didn't think for a while a couple of years the super stocks were a weekly classic. So I didn't think they worked well because it, right. it was it was a square peg in a round hole. Great class, right. but it's an open wheel, open cockpit track. I always said we the 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 current SBS car should have been what the 350 is now. Um, but then, right. now right. we have those three. But it's you know what? Modified with a different body on it. Yeah, uh, not anymore. It used to no. be, but it's not. It's Is it's it, more it's like, but it's it's still you know not a complete super modified chassis. Right, the engine's in the middle. It's yeah, not a super it's a different mind. yeah, it's a different thing. And and, different and they put on great shows, and I'm glad they're there. And um, right. yeah, and, we stole one of we stole one of those drivers from last year. And he's who, coming to race with us next year. Who is that? Greg Richardson. Oh wow, really? Gonna race yeah, a TQ. Yeah, Good he for him. A TQ. He raced with us before he had the SB. Oh, that's right. Yeah, then he went so to the SB. He's back car, to yeah. race with us. His car got tore up at the end of last yeah. year or something. Okay, well that's cool. And, uh, so Good he sold off all the parts, and he bought one. He bought my old car actually. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, but I it's could... always funny seeing Greg Richardson, who's about six four. Oh yeah, he's a big guy in a TQ. Yeah, stuffing himself in a TQ. It's yeah, always it was funny. Like watching <laughs> Bentley even try to get into a TQ years ago he's, when he drove for Harry Macy. It's like he's basically pour into the thing, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. No, it's it's they're meant for the the littler people. That's for yes. sure. Yes. Yeah, I would fit much better in a TQ than no. uh, than Greg Richardson. I've gone out in my brother's car or my old car at Chapel Hill and Lake Erie and just run some practice laps. And every time I come off the track, I'd be like. These guys are nuts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> These guys are insane. You yeah. know, I, I remember I'm at Lake Erie, right? And I'm on the, you know, inside of the track. 
and I come around and I get to the starter stand and he's giving me the wind up and I'm yelling in my helmet going, I'm going as fast as I'm going to go. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you know, and then, and then there, my brother's out there that time and he's going around lapping me lap after lap. I'm like, no, this is no, no, not for me. Yeah. It's no, like, well, these it, guys, it takes maybe when I was 20. Well, it's, it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, it's, it's a young Even man. That, sport, I might've been sure. like, this is nuts. Well, you know, somebody, because we have uh, Millbridge Speedway down here, which races outlaw cars, right? Oh, I watch it all the time. My buddy Timmy Nye races there. Yeah. Oh, yes. And see, now, Tim and Sean, there's two guys right there that are an example of of, those are the guys that that need to be racing TQs and outlaw cars. Timmy builds them. You and I need to just be watching um, and promoting and doing our thing. Timmy builds a few of the cars. Yes, he does. He does a good job, too. Um, some of, but somebody asked me a couple of years ago, cause I had an opportunity to, to get into one of the outlaw carts and the, and the outlaw opens are the same horsepower to weight ratio as a 410 sprint car. And right. I said, well, here's the thing. I said, if I ever got into one of those cars, Clyde Torkel would have to sponsor me. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, I would be the fastest chicken in the South. Only chicken would have an entirely different meaning in that situation right. than the food, right? It's like yeah, no, I'd be the slowest chicken, right? It's, yeah, um, no, we'll, we'll leave that to them. We'll yeah, do our part on this. Exactly. Yeah, that's it's <laughs> it's just fun to, to – but it's fun to watch. And you guys put on a great show, and everybody – Everybody looked like they were having a really, really good time. And I think that's, you know, TQ Midgets are one of those classes where you can affordably go and race and have fun without breaking the bank and right. and, and and without feeling like there's this great pressure to go out and win every race that you're in, although obviously that's always the goal, yeah, but, right? Well, well, the truth of the matter is nobody is going to come in and win in our series. Right. You know, you've got the Dave Wallabers, the Kyle Hutchinsons, the Andy Jankowiaks of the world that race with us that have been racing these cars for 15 years. Yeah. That know the in, in, every ins and outs of these cars and the tracks that we race at. So nobody, I don't care. You, can, I, I would put bank money on it that if we give kyle larson the best car out there we put him at lancaster speedway he's not beating our guys until a couple of weeks he's going to need a race or two well to I'll figure tell you it what, out i would you know, love to see that show just that technical <laughs> love to see that show you know um, what i mean oh me too because yeah. you know there's only a few guys that would run the high side out there and he would be one of them he, he would try that's for sure yeah <laughs> he would try for right? sure but you know there i, I would uh, you know just to see it just to see what he does just to see him ripping one of these and just to have him come off the track and see what he thought yeah you know just to see what he would say after yep. so to give you an example like at, and we were racing allentown indoor a couple of years ago more like five six years ago and they had a who was there marco andretti was there and oh. they let him take one of the cars out and just rip it with nobody out there because he by contract he couldn't race oh, okay you know so but they let him go out there and they they just on a whim he threw a suit on jumped in the car during intermission and it was a big hoo-ha-ha, you know. Of course. And he, he went out there, and the next thing you know, he's ripping laps. He came out of that car, and he goes, oh, my God. That is insane. I want to race this right now. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> I bet and, you, you know, obviously he couldn't, but, you know, that's the, you know, that type of opinion, you know, you don't, because you see him, and they're like, oh, that's cool. But you got to get in him. And if you're a racer. You know, like I told you the story about um, what's that guy's name that ran Syracuse, the super guy. 
Uh, um, the number seven. Out of Sicily. Yeah, with yeah. the Syracuse. He ran it one day, and the next day he said, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, once was it's enough. Just a diff- yeah. It's a different animal. Yeah, it is. Indoors especially. Oof. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. It's like I remember um, that the, the Kenny Wallace ran an outlaw card a couple times at Millbridge, and, and he he said no more. It's I can't <laughs> I can't do this. You know. Yeah, I would think that those guys run in they they fall into the same category as us. It's also you it's, know, some in, of it's you just know, the you physical. Be a little it's the insane. physical punishment too, though. Those cars are very physical those, to yeah. drive well, that, that fast. Don't get it like that. The necks and 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 everything right. else when you're running. Did those, they even have know. suspension in them once? And the outlook hurts, yes, yeah. but the, but the but they're they're so quick and in right. and they're you just you're, you're driving, yeah, you're you're chasing those things all the time. The in cars from Millbridge for the opens are just amazing, and then you get <laughs> now they got the six hundreds that race there, right? Um, and you know, same kind of deal. I mean, it's just yeah, Kenny, Kenny. Just, I mean, the micro sprint is basically know. the the six hundred micro sprint is basically the the dirt track equivalent version, yeah, dirt version, sure. They're the same car, a little shorter, a little different setup. They don't run the drive, the rear ends in them. They're chain driven. Right. We have a rear end in our car. And I mean, it's it's uh, it's just interesting to see a division like the TQs at a track like Auburndale, and then and then and then watch, for example, the you know the six hundred twos or or whatever, and and even the Legends cars. It's like. You could easily see where TQs could be a step in there somewhere to get some high-speed, quick car control experience for somebody, but you don't want to turn it into that. You want it to be, you know, a a a, a club that, or not a club, but a, but a division that basically is, um, you know, you got you got you want your career racers in there, right? Yeah, and you get a, a combination of that. Like we got one kid in there that he's about nineteen, twenty, or maybe even twenty-one by now. That you know, it's funny. He he comes in his first time. He goes out. He's he was racing micro sprints, and he comes in and races with us his first time out on the track at Lancaster for practice. We always take a bet as we stand on the side and watch the new guy. It's like, is he going to dump it in turn three? Everybody says yes. <laughs> you know, and sure enough, in turn three he dumps it, oh and he can't get it fired. So we're kind of standing right there the way the track's set up. So I walk over to him. And he's like, I don't like this. I hate this. I don't want to do this. And then <laughs> halfway through the season, he comes over and he's like, these are the most awesome cars. I can't <laughs> believe that I was crying that first day. I'd let him have it about that all the time. That's funny. You know, And but uh, I tell people all the time that if you come in, even if you're on your way up and you do this for four or five years and then you move on to something bigger, whether whatever it may right. be. The experience that you're going to get from learning and racing this type of car yes. is going to be invaluable in yes. everything else you do. Yes. And you won't learn the bad habits that you get in right. the divisions. Oh, you can't. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> you open know, the bad wheel. habits because the bigger cars allow you, they, they, they overshadow your mistakes. They hide them. Right. And these cars, you you know, every mistake is noticed. Well, but uh, what I'm saying is things like, you know, the, there aren't bumpers being applied in TQs. Right. Not uh, outdoors anyway. I mean, we have them, you but know, they're, you know, they're it's, indoors is the only place where you see them get used. Yeah. I mean, outdoors. You know, outdoors, it, it's a non-contact yeah, sport. Right. Now, obviously, sometimes in tight quarters, it happens. Well, sure. But, it's, but that's just a, a typical tap the guy in front of you. Right. Yeah. And no, uh, we are definitely, because, you know, these cars, if you, you catch a wheel hop, and it can get out. That's ugly. right. 
Yep, absolutely. And that's so I think it breeds, and that's why I was like supers, because you just don't see that kind of stuff. And, and open wheel racing is much better to learn in, I think, because, um, you know, it does teach you to be You're a not queen of racer. Right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of times it's, uh, you know, with the stock car and the fenders and all of that, and even the Legends cars, there's way too much contact in some of this, and, right, and it needs right. to stop because it, what happens is the young drivers, they learn it, and then it, they carry it up. And, you know, and, and it's it's just – but the, the open-wheel guys, you can always tell the drivers that have run cars with open wheels, and, and you know, because, again, you don't see them seeking to make contact. Right. You know, and it's funny sometimes you say like we, we have a few guys that transition from dirt to asphalt. Yep. And when they first started coming in, they thought it was great to they would come sliding out of three or sliding out of four. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and that's cool and all to see. But over time, they realize the smoother and the cleaner the I am with yep. this car, the faster I am. Smooth is faster. Yep, that's absolutely right. I'm payment. You know, and and you know, and I, I swear to this day, the cleanest and smoothest driver we have in our series is David Walliber. I mean, he lets. And you know, it's funny. He drives for Vinny Cristiano, yeah. which I told you about the other day. Yep. And his cars, they got to be from the 1990s. I mean, you know, it's like you see the, the, how the old sprint cars, they yep. just get recycled. Sure. Same thing with us. Yep. And, you know, there's, they're, they're old as crap, but Dave is just so good in that car. He lets the car go where it wants to go. Yep. You know, he doesn't overdrive it ever. He's so smooth and so good and been doing it for 20-plus years. Oh, yeah. I remember him at Niagara so, Falls. Good luck to anybody new yep. coming in and beating him. Oh, he he was good at the falls when he was still in high school. Right, right, and he's been with Vinny ever since then. That's great. Yeah, and I'm and here's the other name I wanted to drop in here for our audience, and I I I uh, I was stunned to find out that he was still involved because he's got to be. I don't even want to know how old he is now, but Johnny Casey <laughs> still owns a TQ, and that TQ two. ran top yes, five at, in Auburndale. It was a, that it, it was great to see that. <laughs> I saw the look on your face when I told you that because I started thinking of some old names. I was like, oh, here's one that will get him. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, uh, John, I uh, I tried calling him. I didn't get him yesterday. Um, but he actually – so when NIPA retired, you know, a couple years ago when I stepped up and took over and we made the Mighty Midgets the series. Okay. He stepped up and sponsored us just as a one-off to get us off the ground. Okay. You know, all the shirts that we had on, all the hats we had, the coats, he bought it all for us. Oh, wow. And I think he spent over five grand just buying us stuff. Wow. You know, flag, things like that. Yep. You know, just things to get us going. Yep. And, you know, and he owns two cars, He and they're the classic number 88s of his that he's always had. And they are beautiful, beautiful yes. cars. And he's still involved. He still shows up. Him and Wayne Turnbull at the track together are a sight to see because it's over 150 years of TQ midget racing within two people. Wow. And, and Turnbull was another one back in the day, I remember, at the mm -hmm. balls. Yeah. He's been, he yeah, he's been there a too. long time. Yeah. He was at the track with you. Was I should he? have told okay. you that. I didn't even okay. think of it. You could have came over and seen him. Yeah, that would have been cool. Um, so, uh, but, but he will be at Lorraine, just so you know. He, great. You know, Wayne Turnbull is at every race I promote. That's great. Me and him, me and him will battle every now and again because he's a stickler for the rules. He wants it to be just right, sure. which I appreciate. 
You know, and every once in a while we'll butt heads. Absolutely. But he, him and his teams will be at every show that I promote. That's awesome. And, you know, that 88s, both of them, you know, with Scott Cruder and Kyle Hutchinson. Now we're both, and, you know, are those both? drove all that way down there and. You know, Kyle is our reigning champion in that in that series. Okay, so both of those seniors. both of those were John's cars. Yes. Oh wow. Okay. Now Wayne built the second car. Okay. And you know, it's funny. Wayne built the second car for Kyle. Okay. But Kyle said, ah, "I like the, the the first one better." Wow. So he had us. It was a backup car for a while, and then they decided to put another driver in it, who is Nick Groff, who runs a Micro Six Hundred too. Okay. And um. But he was unavailable for the Florida show, so Scott Cruder is the backup driver for that team. Nice. He'll jump in either one of them. Wow. And, okay. you know, Scott races the 410 Sprints, the 305. He Indoor car, TQ, he owns a 10-inch indoor car, TQ. Okay. So he's very well-versed in the TQ world. He raced with us for years That's and then awesome. moved up. Well, it's uh, the TQs have have had a long history, and uh, I mean, we we could spend another hour, uh, on, you know, <laughs> on did. that. We did we did a three hour session. Yeah, the other we day. did. I, up, I was like, holy crap. Well, you know, it's <laughs> I talk in paragraphs sometimes, so um, you know, and 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 you keep up really well. But uh, just had it, it it was a great time with you guys down there. Can't wait to do it again next year, and uh, and and looking forward to to helping you to try to keep the word out uh, ongoing here and, and happy to have you on the show just to kind of educate our audience a little bit about the status of TQ midget racing today and where they, you know, where you can find it. So before we let you go, my last question, where can people go on the internet to find information about your club and about TQ midget racing in general? Well, obviously, we are on the Facebook. Um, that's kind of where our main stuff is. It's where you get the day-to-day stuff. Um, we do have a website, MightyTQMidgets.com, but I am leaning towards you for a little update on that as well. We will. So that will be updated as soon. But for now, everybody can just go to Facebook, and, and you know, you can see all the information. And the rules and what we have are listed on the website. So if anybody wants to see the technical side of it, they are all listed there. But that will progress. You know, we are still somewhat new. As you know, as I, like I told you, I am more on the promoter side, and we're going to now look. Now that I've had a couple of years running it, and we got that pretty, we're pretty solid yep. right now. Um, we're going to look to expand it into other avenues and see what we can do. Well, you know, because I really, truly think there is a place for us in a bigger venues and a bigger, you know, just overall. Yeah. And it and it might be in the off seasons, you know, to where for we sure. really get our big stuff. Yep. You know, the Auburndale side. Yep. I, I think that's got the potential of being. Oh, huge. we're yeah. I I am I am personally uh, going to do everything I can to see that that happens because honestly, when I look at what goes on at Speed Weeks, and 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 I look at everything as a whole down there. Um, you know, it's like I've said on this show. For, for a while, there's one major division that's missing down there and only one major division right. on, on the short track level, and that's the super modified. So we right. need, if we can't get the supers, the TQs are the next best thing, and I'd like to have both. I'm kind of greedy when it comes to my right. real oh, stuff. Oh, I know. I would, you know, I would so. love to digress a little bit and, you know, 
I mean, we would still be a huge part of it, obviously. Oh, well, it's there's. <laughs> but it's I would always... love to see a, a lineup of the 350s, the 602s, us, Legends, and Bandos. Yes, that's I mean, it. You're pretty much, and then you might, that's you know, it. add a fill-in here and there, but yeah. you're pretty much set. That's it. And, I mean, that would be a great show, a lot of variety, and it would be something that's unique that nobody else in Florida has. Right. And, uh, right. you know, and, and, it, and it would really, and then, you know, you, you, you build it as, as big as you can and, um, and, you know, and put a good live stream out there for people around the country to watch. Um, oh, I, I got a lot of feedback from the pay-per-view and it was nothing but fantastic well we're professionally done you know the just overall for everything not just that but just the way everything was run everything was handled the way we were treated everything was you know we deal with a lot of different personalities up here with the different tracks and you know everybody's decent but some are better than others sure and i hands on the best group that you know right up there with randy's and his group same you know, Randy Maggio in Ohio, they treat mm-hmm. us the same way you guys treated us. Well, that's just fantastic. Uh, looking forward to uh, seeing what happens going forward here. And, oh, I, uh, I want 40. Well, it's uh, it's really uh, – <laughs> uh, well, I think we can – yeah, I mean, I think that's realistic. I think and, we can double you know, it. I if, think with what, we're talk, what we've been talking about with where we're going with this, I think that, you know, at least get in the 30s yep. where we need a – you know, a race at the end or something for, like we talked about, for the yeah. non-qualifiers. Because well, they're going to travel that far. At least let them get a race at the end or something. Well, we're 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 going to do all we can to make as much happen as possible down there. So, again, thanks for your time. Uh, we appreciate it and looking forward to, to getting more TQ coverage out there as we get into the year. That is Jimmy Smith. And uh, we're going to step aside for just a moment and be back with more of Inside Groove after this. Welcome back to the show. Hope you enjoyed that uh, conversation that we had. It, uh, it's always fun to talk to somebody new and talk about something that you don't often talk about. But we're going to talk a lot more about the TQs. Uh, Jimmy was great. That was a lot of fun. Uh, hope that you had as much fun listening to it as uh as i did actually doing it so um okay let's talk about a couple of things first of all um two pieces of big news out of the oswego speedway just in this last uh week or so the first of which was that uh i racing and Oswego Speedway are now going to become symbiotic. Oswego has been laser scanned for the iRacing sim. Now, for those of you who don't understand maybe exactly how iRacing works, um, let me give you an idea of kind of how all that that goes. So I don't know all of the technical details of the um, process of laser scanning, but the way that iRacing is set up, for those of you maybe who are my age and not on it and really don't understand exactly how it works, you, of course, you have to have, if you're going to race, if you're going to use it to race, um, you, you have to have all of the, you know, you have the wheel and, and all of the necessary equipment, but then you sign up for an account. And 
Uh, once you have your account, then you can buy cars and tracks. So if you, you know, if you want to, um, you know, if you want to buy the Oswego Speedway, you buy it. Now, I understand they've scanned the Oswego Speedway as a pavement track, and then they, they did another scan while it was dirt, which is awesome. And it's really much bigger than probably a lot of you realize, and, I'll, and I'm, I'm going to explain why here. So there are over a million users on the service. iRacing is worldwide. It's, it is absolutely huge, and it's just getting bigger all the time. And every time another young man or woman who started racing on the sim and then gets to the real thing, gets an opportunity in the seat, that's kind of the phrase, sim to seat, um, every time that happens, it just justifies what, what I can tell you for sure, which is that in fact, if you use iRacing properly, it can give you a lot of the mental training that you need to drive an actual race car. And the reason that that happens is because these tracks are so accurate and the, the cars that you race, in terms of the accuracy of what the adjustments do. You know, if you adjust stagger, give yourself more stagger, adjust shocks this way or do whatever. The accuracy of that compared to the real car. So if you're talking about, say, you know, a cup car, um, the accuracy of doing adjustment X, whatever that is, on the sim to doing adjustment X on the on the real car, the accuracy is getting to be better all the time. So here's the thing. You can learn a lot about the mental side of it just from racing on the sim because if you race a track on the sim enough and you race, especially if you can race the kind of car you're going to race for real, then your your brain is already aware of where the marks are, where you get on the gas, off the gas, all of that sort of thing, on the brake, off the brake, whatever the case. And again, it's not complete, but it's it's a it's a very good start. So the the ability to be able to then have the brain because the reality is, 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 is it's been a technique that driver development coaches have used for years to train drivers well before we had iRacing. Uh, guys like Ross Bentley, who are driver development coach or driver uh, coaches, driver engineers, mental coaches, um, Ross has written books about, you know, how to sit you know, on your couch and put yourself in the driving position or sit, you know, put yourself in the driving position and literally um, run laps because the brain, you can trick your brain into um, a real experience even without being in the seat. That's that's the, the, the great kind of revelation is that 
you know, if you if you think long enough about the taste of a lemon, you start salivating. Even though there's no real lemon in your mouth. And that's just I'm not going to get deep into that, but that's that is that's accurate. It will make your mouth water. Literally. Um, And so. The uh, so I racing is 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 a very, very powerful tool. And of course, then there are other people who just they they race on it with no obvious ambition to, you know, to ever cross into the real thing and, and, you know, do whatever. So Oswego Speedway going on to iRacing now means that, for example, I could, I could, I could race a street stock in Oswego on the dirt. I could race, and I don't know all of the different types of cars they have on the, on the, on iRacing. I've, I've lost track because they, they add so quickly, but, um, you know, I could race a dirt weight model on the dirt track. I could race a sprint car on the dirt track at a Swiggo Speedway. Okay, things that that don't race there currently in real life, you can do with a sim. Now, this is great because this means that if you know if you if you race a modified at the Oswego Speedway on the sim, you at least get some idea of what the track looks like and kind of how it is. So when you go there in real life, you have a bit of a head start. It's kind of like it's a form of study. And and um, and it's, it is kind of akin to watching film, so to speak. Only you're actually doing it, which is also teaching muscle uh, awareness or muscle. Uh, it's teaching the reflexes. Muscle memory, when to get on, when to get off, all that sort of thing. So that is huge, but here's where this would really pay off. I feel like this is sort of, and I'm praying that nobody, and and nobody has confirmed this yet, but I'm praying that while they scan the track, they scanned a super modified. Because if we could put a super modified on iRacing, and it was again, if you if you can make the adjustments accurate and and you know make it as close to racing a super in real life in terms of how it drives, how it you know how it adjusts and, and so forth, and especially if you did top wing tail wing, um, my gosh. Can you even imagine? Because here's what this opens up. It's it's it would be the it may be the cleverest, greatest marketing tool for getting new people into interested in super modified racing that we've had in a long time. Because again, super modifieds are the coolest looking cars on the planet. So if you if you put them out there where you can reach over a million potential racers and you get people racing them in leagues and they don't just have to race them in a swiggo, you could have a league, super modified league where it was a touring series. You go race in Hickory, you go race at South Boston, you go race, um, and I don't know all the tracks, but, but let's say Evergreen Raceway in Washington was on the, on the service. You go race Evergreen. You could literally take supers to places they don't currently go. 
and think about again making that kind of car available for you know over a million people to race now it's it wouldn't be a bonanza overnight but as you promote it more people see it oh cool what is that let me try racing that well now all of a sudden you got got some leagues going but here's the other cool thing and i don't know all the drivers who race supers who are actually on iRacing but I, I know I know a bunch of them were doing, what was it, R-Factor? Is that what it's called? I was trying to think of that earlier. I think I got it. I think it's R-Factor. And, and raced in leagues together. Imagine being able to race with Doug Heveron, for example. How cool would that be? And again, there's, you, there's different ratings on iRacing and how you kind of get, you know, qualified to do different things and all that, but this would be absolutely huge if the Super Modified came with the track or shortly behind it. I just, I cannot overstate how big that would be. Because you're talking worldwide access at that point to the car. Try it out. See what you, see what you, see what you think of it. And, you know, you could get people hooked and then they decide, hey, I want to try racing one of these in real life. It would be a monstrous way to build exposure for supers all over the place. So we'll keep our eye on that. I hope that the super comes with the track because if if it's just the track, that's gr- still great for a Swigo. But, if you, but what is the one single native car to the Oswego Speedway? Well, it's the Super Modified, of course. So it's almost an abstract thing unless you put, unless you make supers available. So we'll see where that goes. But that was the first, that was a bombshell. I had to actually read that twice to believe it. That's great news. And the fact that they did both versions of it, dirt and pavement, is a bonus. Because, again, for those who like dirt racing, imagine racing, you know, a, a, a dirt car. You know, it was, but imagine racing a late model or a sprint car. I, I just think it's cool as heck. Um and it's going to be great exposure, but it'll be way bigger exposure if you can also race a super modified. Because I'm not so sure that just you know Joe iRacer out there is going to gravitate to a Swigo Speedway, but um, but certainly if they could race a super modified, and then you they start researching, well, what are, what are these cars? Where do they race in real life? Oh, every week a Swigo Speedway. Hello. You know, ISB, MSS, NESS, you know, all of it. Everybody wins in that deal if the Super Modified is on there. So that's really the, the, the payoff there. It's it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of half-baked cake without the Super Modified, but, but it's, it's certainly a great step in the right direction. So that was cool. The other uh, big announcement really didn't come from the track. It came from Doug Elkins. And I have to tell you, Doug Elkins, and I, I've been, I don't, I, I, for, for whatever reason, I wasn't, I, I wasn't always seeing his and I finally figured out hit subscribe, you idiot. 
Um, <laughs> I'm a little slow when it comes to this stuff, but I get there. Um, so I subscribe now to his YouTube channel, but uh, Doug Doug does a nice job with his videos, and I love I love his passion, and he really is trying to to put content out there, and you know, and finally we're we're starting to follow suit. We kind of had a different vision. Doug is what Doug has taught me is that you can do the simplest form of video. It doesn't have to be overproduced and just put it out there and people will enjoy it as long as the content is good. Well, Doug makes sure that Doug sort of has this, this, first of all, I'm sure Doug doesn't, isn't conscious of, and probably, I don't know if he really even is concerned with the whole sort of brand marketing part of his deal, but I figured out that he's got a brand identifier that he probably, if I said to him, what do you think the brand identifier for your brand is? He'd probably look at me and go, what brand? Right? Well, here's the reality. If he came to me and said, you know, could you do me up a logo? There's, there, there's one, one thing that would have to be in that logo. You want to know what it is? Can any of you guess? The microphone. How do you know it's a Doug video? You know it in the first the first time you look at it. You know it because there's that 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 mic on the stand. And that, that mic, by the way, is the one of the most basic microphones that that's available. It's nothing special. It's but it sounds great. It's used. You know, singers use it. I mean, it's a stage microphone. It's it's but it's not expensive. Not compared to, in fact, the mic I'm using right now is probably two and a half times the price. Um, and I, as I've learned more about this technology, I've realized that you don't have to spend, you know, but, but this one, I, I love it, but it's, it, it's expensive. It's a higher technology than the mic he uses. And I don't want to get, you know, too far in the weeds because none of you care and really neither do I, but I just want to make the point that that, that, that microphone in the stand is, is, is when you look at that, it's kind of like when you see the golden arches, what do you think? You don't even have to see the whole logo. Just when you see the first glimpse at it, your brain tells you what it is like the swoosh. What's the swoosh Nike, right? It's just first glance. That's the brand identifier. So steering wheel nation, as we build it, it's, it's our Chevron. That's in our logo. That's why the Chevron exists. Um, we're going to use that a lot more as we go forward. It's just our signature, little signature, if you will. So as I get older, I get wiser. And I just had to laugh because I had that realization a couple of weeks ago. I was watching one of Doug's videos and it was just like that microphone. He, it's the same every time. It's a guest in a microphone. And then this, this mysterious voice. Because Doug's never on camera. I don't think he's ever been on camera in in any of his videos. Nobody knows what he looks like. <laughs> I mean, of course, we all do because we know him. But, I mean, his audience, I'll, I'll bet there's people in the audience who don't. They've never seen him or met him. They don't know him. They don't know what he looks like. It's the simplest form of production. Anyway, um... I brought all that up to say this. Doug inadvertently topped himself. 
with one of his latest videos, and it leads me to the discussion about tires. Because in this video, and I'm having a little fun here with Doug, and I know he would be okay with it. It's 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 just it's it's just being you know silly and 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 a little, but it's also it's also true. Doug topped himself. The microphone's not even in the video. It's a solid picture of two tires. And there's two mysterious voices purported to be Doug Elkins and Mike Silliman. You and I know that we can verify that because we know them. <laughs> the only thing I wish Doug could have done is actually turn this into an animation. The smaller tire, of course, would be Mike Silliman. The taller tire would be Doug. And have the two tires literally talking to each other. How, how funny would that be? So we've got a new tire rule in this week. <laughs> Um, and if you don't, and by the way, if for whatever reason, I don't know how you wouldn't, but if, if you don't know who Doug Elkins is or what he's doing, just, uh, you'll see his videos all over the, the super modified groups. Um, and, uh, just, or just, uh, go to, uh, YouTube and type Doug Elkins, E-L-K-N, type, type Doug's name and you'll, uh, you'll probably find it, but, um, but his he's he's up over three thousand subscribers. He's doing a great job, and I can tell you firsthand how hard it is. I've struggled with social media for years now, years. It's tough, and I'm finally starting to get a handle on it. And we want to my, we the, the the group I have we want to take it a little different approach. But we're we are going to do some of those simple type of videos, and I've done them before where I've just even used my phone. And just interview the driver at the track or whatever. Um, I've been on camera, not on camera. I mean, it's not, none of it's wrong. It's just funny because Doug has created a consistency in the, in the way that he does his content, which basically means that you know instantly without even knowing. If he, if he didn't have his name on it, you would know it was Doug. All you going to do is see the microphone. And you know this is a Doug Elkins video. It's awesome. But um, the, the tire rule of the Swiggo was the main point <laughs> you're going to get to here. But I wanted to throw in a compliment for Doug. Um, tire rules is great, I think. I, I'm going to be interested to see how this actually has it, how it impacts the racing. Um, I think the theory behind it is that the change in the right front tire, which is the same tire that Isma can use on right front or left rear, and I don't know... I can't. I can't remember if it clarified if if it was clear or Mike said it whether or not Oswego can swap it, but um, there may be a specific left rear still for Oswego. But um, you know, the right front apparently is uh, a different. It's obviously a different tire, but it's a it's a common tire, which is good. So it'll be the same tire that Ismo uses. So um, it's I think a little. A little softer, I believe, but um, I think it was said that uh, perhaps a couple weeks out of the tire, which is great, and that's what you really want to get to. It would be nice if we could have a set of tires that would, would last at least two weeks, two races, because while John is busy you know, raising purses, which is great. I mean, you need you need more money in the purse, but boy, it sure would be nice 
And anything we can cut the cost on to do with the cars is the same as added purse. It's money saved, which is the same as cash and in. And, um, you know, this tire would appear to be potentially a step in the right direction. Now, what it does in terms of the overall speed of the cars, we won't know, obviously, till drivers start racing on it. And then you have that plus the change in the wing angle. The wicker bill, all you know that that whole initiation that happened also for this year, and um, I know the idea is to basically was to take some downforce away, and you know if we can if we can lean somehow toward more mechanical grip and less aero grip, we're better off. But the problem is you've got all these aero cars, so you know. It's it's hard to turn, you know, it, there, there's always so much you're going to do with the cars themselves. So, you know, tires, motors, whatever, anything, any cost you can save and still keep the entertainment value and, and all of that the same, the better. So it's good to see that that um, the drivers and, and, and the uh, the stakeholders, as we say these days, um, have all been willing to sort of get in and and change some things. I hope that it makes a serious change because we certainly need it in the big blocks. The racing has not been what it should be. Um, but what what I what I hope is that we're still trying to figure out how to get new people in because and that's where you know, as somebody who deals with a lot of different types of people across the racing industry. Uh, from, you know, quarter midgets and all that on up, I can tell you cost is an issue. And I know there are people who don't want to save money. <laughs> you know, they don't want to save money. Um, they don't, they don't think a super modified should be something you try to save money with, but a super modified stopped being unlimited and stopped being run what you brung in 1976. The minute the four-wheel drive car was outlawed, we that was it for Run What You Brung because we started. Then we started, we started slowly defining what wasn't a super modified, what wasn't allowed. So what you can't run, can't do, can't build. So we have one type of car now. So it's not Run What You Brung. So yes, we should be concerned with both nice purses and where we can save and still keep a super super. Should we go run a 10 inch tire? Of course not. That's ridiculous. We don't have to do that. I'm just saying if you can, you know, if you can save a hundred or 200 a week, you're doing good. Cause you can't, there's, there's a limit to what you're going to get for purses. And that's just a fact. There's no, you're not on Fox. So there's a limit, but there is so much optimism with that tire rule and, and the wing angle and my gosh, the, the, the eye racing thing. Um, I just, if we can stay open-minded and stay objective and continue to be willing to set aside our personal preferences where it means making the whole group more successful. Cause we're part of the group after all. Right. And I, in that instance, we being whatever driver, whoever you are, 
you know, whether you're an Oswego driver, an Isma driver, a Smack driver, a, a Star driver, a, you know, whatever. Everything is a super modified. We've got a few different variations on the theme, but they're all super modifieds. Even the SBS is a super modified. Why? Because that's what they call it. <laughs> so we should be willing at all times to listen and consider objectively and thoughtfully. And if there's an opportunity to do something like the quarter midget, the uh, TQ midgets did in Florida, that should be looked at. Just like I'm so excited. I am. I really am excited about Isma coming here to Carolina again. That's going to be huge for exposure for the class. The more you can stretch your market, the bigger market of potential fans and participants you have. That's how this works. Now's the time. There's there There have been... You know, a half dozen or so key big things that have happened since, like, December for the Supers. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to keep the momentum going? That's, that's the question. But super, super huge news. Um, and happy I'm on both counts with, with what I see there. Um all right, I'm going to close this show with a funny story. Uh, occasionally, we they say that um, everybody has a doppelganger, which is a, a fancy word that I don't even know where it came from, but basically everybody has a twin. Everybody has a lookalike, right? So <laughs> um, for the fourth time in about the last three years, there are four years. Um, I've been told that I have a twin, and I'll share the story. This is the most recent time. A couple of weeks ago, I was on my way from Tennessee to Florida. Had worked uh, a kart race in Tennessee, was on the way to Auburndale to do the, the winter showdown, showdown series. And um, <laughs> I was... I stopped at a convenience store, and I think it, I was in Georgia. I was driving down 75, and you kind of dip into Georgia, dip back into Tennessee, and then back into Georgia, and then eventually hit Florida. So I'm not sure if I was in Georgia or maybe came back into Tennessee. It doesn't matter. I decided I was thirsty, so I wanted to stop. So I, there was a convenience store, gas station convenience store. Didn't need gas. Just stopped for a drink. So I walk in, grab my drink, and go to the counter. Now, the gentleman at the counter says, I'm sure you've heard this before, but you look just like Danny DeVito. <laughs> I mean, you know, the fourth time. Now, um, what, what do you do? What is the correct response to that? Is it to just smile and say, thanks? No, that wouldn't be my style. My response is always the same. He isn't nearly as good looking as me. It ain't always sunny in Philadelphia, but I do love a good Jersey Mike sub. That's my response. 
for those of you, I don't know if there's Jersey Mike's up in New York or not, but for those of you who don't know, he, Danny does, he's the, he's a spokesperson for Jersey Mike subs, does some great commercials for him. I've held a picture. I've, I've literally put two pictures, one of me, one of him side by side. Other than the fact that we both have no hair, he has way more on the sides than I do. And we have dark glasses and we're, we're both kind of chubby. That's, that's it. We, there's, 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 you, you, you're, you look similar and there's, you look just like, I, I just, I'm not, I don't see it, but, I, but I think it's hilarious. Now here's the funniest sort of side, uh, bar to the story though. I mean, you know, they say, you know, you've, you've heard people say, well, you know, she, she ages like fine wine. Okay, I aged, have aged like milk. <laughs> I I look older. I have looked older than I am since I had a five head when I was four. Okay, I, I you know, receding hairline. It's it, it's in the family. Um, it's and so I I I buzz it. I keep it short, and then pretty soon here, I'm just going to get rid of it. I'm kind of annoyed. My younger brother beat me to that. But <laughs> he, I just hadn't quite had the uh, the nerve yet to 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 do it. But he did it, so we'll both be cue balls. But pretty soon. But um, here's my point. So, you know, my mother always looked young for her age. A because she just did, and B because she, you know, she's small. She was small. Her nickname as a kid was Peanut. She was just, she was a petite little thing, right? Um, and so, um, mom and I, you know, when we would go out somewhere, it was comical. This happened more than once too, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about one specific incident that I remember, but I know it happened multiple times. We were we were coming back from Oswego. She was coming down here to visit for for a couple of weeks. She would do that once a year for the for you know we did it for geez I don't know ten twelve straight years, um, almost fifteen I think before you know she just finally couldn't do it, the last couple of years of her of her life, um, and you know of course when the world stopped in twenty twenty that ended it, but. Um, she, we were driving back and we got to, I think it was the Cortland area somewhere. And I can't remember if it was a Denny's or a Friendly's, but it was one or the other. And we, we were, because we were stopping for breakfast. So the waitress seated us and mom got up and excused herself to, to go to the bathroom. And <laughs> the waitress says, asks me, would you like some coffee? I don't drink coffee. So I said, no, thank you. Could I please have a large ice water and a large glass of milk? That is my standard breakfast fare when I'm out. Or when I'm here, for that matter. Um, I'm a milkaholic, which is probably why I've aged like milk. So that's not the funny part. Here comes the funny part. Her next question was, Will your wife be having coffee? <laughs> I mean, I, 
I just, I, I just can't win. Um, but, but I'm telling you, I, I, I've aged like milk. And this is what you know. This, this is. I had, I had, a, I had somebody at a different convenience store one time tell me I looked just like her grandfather. And this was probably five or ten years ago too. So I mean. This is this is not new. This, but Danny DeVito is new. It's just in the last two or three years. I don't know. I I didn't change my hair. I don't know what you do with this, but I didn't change mine. Still buzzing it. Pretty soon they'll be telling me I look like Telly Savalas. Um, you know, I'll I'll just start with the lollipops, and you can call me Kojak, and half my audience won't understand what that means. Um, I'm sorry for you. You missed a great show. <laughs> you just were born way too late. Cop shows used to be good. They're not anymore. Um, there you go. We'll end it on that note. I just, I, you know, it's fun to laugh once in a while and you get, you know, when you're driving around like I do, you're on the road a lot. You just interact with a lot of different people and it's fun to, um, it's, it, it's just, it's fun to, to kind of have those moments and, you know, and, uh, they just sort of make the day for you, you know? So, uh, Anyhow, there you go. So there's episode 140. Hope you enjoyed it. I can tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to make Robert Metcalf's day right now. I'm going to make Robert Metcalf's day. The rest of you, please just sort of sit quietly. Allow me to speak to Robert for just a moment. Robert, I got a, I got a surprise for you, buddy. Guess who our guest is going to be on the next show? You've asked me about this. You've asked me about it. I've been trying to make it happen. It's finally going to happen. Got the commitment. Next week's show guest, none other than Jeff Carson. So all in the family, Robert. Hope you're feeling better and doing well. We appreciate you. And... Uh, excited to be able to bring that for the rest of you there you go our next guest on the show next week jeff carson we've been trying to make this happen jeff of course is the son of fran carson who um ran the popcorn stand at oswego for the longest time um and he and his wife uh bought the caruso i air quote this mansion but it really kind of was um, they bought it years ago and Jeff has owned race cars. He owned the 27 super modified for years. It won, I think, well, it won a bunch of features. Joe Gozik won a bunch in it. Dave McKnight drove it. Joe Oxby Jr. Drove it. Um, you know, so Jeff's had a history as a car owner. He owns the SPS number 10 that, uh, Mike Fowler drove last year. Uh, his son, John ran the SPS. I, yeah, SBS 27, uh, two years ago now, would have been 22, right? Yeah. Um, and then he just, he didn't continue because his life just, you know, went in a different direction, got busy doing other things. And um, so John is not racing anymore, but uh, Jeff has the 10 car and uh, and the Jeff and Jeff's family and my family go back a long way. And I've told this story before. It was... Uh, it was, it was Fran, it was Carson's news where I used to get the programs when I was a kid. His, his parents owned that too. And that's where Jeff and I first met. But I, um, I was, 
I was Peanut back then. <laughs> um, just a chubbier version of Peanut than my mother used to be. But, um, yeah. So, and Jeff also owned Carson Ford Mercury for a while out in Wolcott. I worked for him a little bit there for a year, a year and a half, whatever it was. And, um, and it is used car store in Oswego for a bit. So, um, this is going to be a fun interview because Jeff will bring some perspective, uh, and tell some stories from a lot of different points of view about what it's like to, to be a, a, a superholic or a raceaholic. Um, and, uh, so looking forward to having Jeff on, we've been trying to make this happen for a long time. Jeff's a great friend. So that's our next show. Part of it. Um, who knows what else will happen between now and then. So who knows, who knows who else may be a guest, but Jeff is going to be a featured guest on next week's show. So there you have it, Robert, hope you're smiling right now and hope you're feeling well. Um, and also, real quick, I want to congratulate uh, longtime sponsor, Sean Cathcart, Skips Fish, Fry LaGroff's Pub, now McCarthy's. I've heard it's off to a smoking hot start, and I'm not at all surprised. Opened a month ago, not at all surprised that, that it's doing well. Anything Sean touches, it is with it is with extreme care, and he makes it better than he found it. And so he's got a... a a, an eatery or pub on the on the east side and the west side. If you want deli food, go to McCarthy's. If you want typical sort of pub food, burgers, Philly cheesesteaks, wings, all of that sort of thing. And of course, during Lent, Skip's Fish Fry. Get your seafood at LaGroff's on the east side. And... Um, there you have it. So congratulations. And of course, thanks as always to Rich Worth. Glad he had a good time in Florida. Glad to see he's back. And um, hopefully he'll, the weather will suddenly in the next like week turn better. Winter will be over in New York. <laughs> he can start paving again, uh, but he's filling up already. So give him a call. If you need a pave job, you, you got to call him and let him know because, um, he, he fills up quickly during the year. So there's uh, there's that. And thanks to Jeff West as well, of course, from uh, IPC Indy and Wiggity Wayne. I will see Wayne Hanslick this weekend. Uh, Wiggity Wayne will be racing down here, the CKNA Spring Nationals for the four-cycle go-karts uh, on the short course at Charlotte out front. Um, actually, I guess it's technically out back. Um Come in the tunnel, that little short cart track on the right is where they race. And uh, he will be there this weekend. Sauces, ketchups, rubs from zero to call the fire department. My tongue is burning. Um, all kinds of different flavors and just depends from mild to wild, whatever you like. So go to wiggityWayneSauces.com for all of that. Please. Patronize those who patronize and support this show and Supermodified Racing, y'all. Have a great rest of your weekend and enjoy the next week until we meet again for episode 141 with Jeff Carson of the Inside Groove next week. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening. So long and God bless. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy. 
creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.